Crossroads. We are excited that you're here. It's my favorite Sunday of the year, the first weekend of spring break. You know, it's such a struggle because everybody's doing all these exciting things. I happened to log on to social media this morning and saw one of our families on their way to Hawaii. Oh, so yes, we're, we're, we're all here worshiping Jesus. They're on the plane on their way to Hawaii. But again, uh, I, again, I, I, it's, it's just a struggle because again, you know, you're just wanting people to be here. And, and again, there's lots of things going on in life. I understand that. You enjoy spring break, but again, if you can be here, we encourage you to be here. And if you can't be here, join us online, Facebook Live. Uh, we want to welcome those people who are joining us online. Maybe they're watching uh, on that American Airlines flight on the way to Honolulu. You know, I mean, again, we're excited that we have that avenue to be able to have people to join us. So we welcome you there. And again, leave us a comment. If you have a prayer need and you want us to pray for you, you can put that in the comments, or you can also send us a, an email for that prayer request, info at crossroadslebanon.com, and we'll be glad to pray with you and to pray for you. You know, I, I've told you guys as we've been in this series, Miracles, that most of the miracles that we read about in Scripture, they happened in and or around the Sea of Galilee. And, and you think about the Sea of Galilee, uh, that's the place that Jesus called home. I mean, it's where he grew up, it's where he lived, it's where he worked, it's where Jesus taught the people about the ways and the character of God. And one of the interesting things that we see in Scripture is that almost every time Jesus would show up, large crowds would gather around him because, again, they wanted to be close so they could hear what Jesus had to say. And many times they just wanted to be there to, to, to hear what he was teaching. But other times they needed what Jesus actually had. They needed hope, healing. They needed hope. They needed life. And this morning, we're going to look at one of those stories that I'm going to tell you. This is one of those stories that you're going to be tempted to sit there, either in this auditorium or on that airline flight or in your office or at home in front of the TV in your pajamas, and you're just watching us here. But you're going to be tempted to say, Randy, can't you come up with something new? I mean, can, can you honestly come up? Because I've already heard this story a hundred times. Can't you just come up with something new for us? And, and I would just kind of challenge you this morning to understand that the Word of God is alive and active, which means that every time you open up the Word of God and you lean into the Word of God, God wants to speak to you. Because here's the thing you have to understand. The Holy Spirit is always consistently speaking through His Word. And this morning, I would challenge you that if you have a, a hard time, it's really about your attitude. It's really about our attitude and the way that we approach the Word of God. So this morning, I would just say, since you're going to recognize just in just a moment that this is a story that you've already heard pastors preach about a hundred times, if you would just go ahead and say, God, show me something, show me something new, then I can guarantee that the Holy Spirit is going to speak something new to your heart. And then every week after this, you just need to come into this place with a sense of expectancy, asking God to speak to you, always. Now, again, we're going to look at a story this morning. If you have your Bible and you want to join me there, it's in the, the Gospel of John, John chapter 6. 
And what's really interesting about this particular story is this story is actually found in all of the Gospels. Uh, it's one of those stories that you can read the different perspectives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all have a different way they look at it, and they all have different things that they say when they talk about this story or about this miracle. But we're going to look at it this morning from the perspective of John, John chapter 6, verse 1. And if you have your Bible and you can follow me there, I know it's dark, I know it's sometimes hard. Uh, again, uh, you can turn on your flashlight on your phone if you need to to be able to see it. But again, if you don't and you can't, then look at the screen behind me. We're going to go straight through this. I don't normally do this, but this is what we're going to do today. Here's what John says. Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people, here we go, followed him. Because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. Now, this next sentence is really important. It says the Jewish Passover festival was near. Here's what that means. Here's what you need to understand. When it tells us that the Jewish Passover festival was near, it means that there were lots of people making their way or preparing to make their way to Jerusalem. So it would tell me, kind of just logically speaking, that there are probably more people in this area than there would have normally been. So these people are making their way, and they're around there, and Jesus goes up on the mountainside, and he sat down with his disciples. It says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only, again, this is John's perspective. He asked this only to test him, for Jesus already had in his mind what he was actually going to do. And Philip answered him, Jesus, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these people to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy, now look, look, look at this, here's a boy with Five small barley, now let me, let me stop there, barley loaves. The absolute cheapest bread you could buy. It was the cost cutter of that culture, you know what I'm saying? It was the great value of that culture. Barley was absolutely the bottom of the barrel. But here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far could that go among so many people? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now, here's what it says. I'm going to tell you. Here's what I believe. Jesus actually kind of gets shortchanged in this miracle. And you say, well, how is that possible? Well, it's just in the way that it was interpreted. It says 5,000 men. So if there were 5,000 men, it tells me that there were probably 5,000 women. And if there are 5,000 men and 5,000 women, it probably means there are 10,000 kids. So actually, it's not 5,000. It's actually 20,000 that are seated there on the hillside facing the Sea of Galilee. Now, look at what it says. John says, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. I think we're going to have a run on Captain D's today. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of feel that, or, or Red Lobster. When they, had, when, they had, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. 
So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now, there, there are a couple of things that I want to point out in this very familiar story that we all know. Because no matter what you might be facing or what you might be believing God for, there are going to be a few things that we need to do together. So let me start off by saying that this story, this simple story, reminds us that, that Jesus cares for us. I mean, that, that's it. Jesus cares for us, every one of us. He cares for what you're going through in your life. Again, no matter how big or how insignificant you might think it is, this story tells us that Jesus cares for us. Because here's the thing we know. In Matthew's account of this story, the disciples wanted to just send the people on, send the people on. There, there's no Cracker Barrel. There's no Chick-fil-A. There, there's no McDonald's. Send them away, Jesus. But here's what Matthew says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. It says, as even, again, his perspective, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away. Send them so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. But that's not what Jesus wanted to do. Let me tell you why. Because Jesus had compassion on them. And he wanted to make sure that everyone had something to eat. So here's what I think. If Jesus was concerned about their empty stomachs, he's concerned about the empty things in your life. He's concerned about the things that are lacking in your life. Now, again, today is week three of our series, Miracles. And we're praying. That's what we're praying, for God to do the miraculous in our lives. But here's the thing. We're not chasing after miracles. We're chasing after Jesus. Because here's the thing we know. We know that, listen, 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 if we follow Jesus long enough, we will find ourselves smack dab in the middle of miracles. Because that's who he is. He is a miracle-working God. But oftentimes, here's the thing, li listen, before I can experience the miraculous in my life, there are some lessons that I think we need to learn. If you're going to experience the, the miraculous in your life, there are some lessons like me that you need to learn. And quite honestly, it was those lessons that we need to learn when I looked at this story again and tried to decide where we were going in this series, it was those lessons that kind of made their way right to the surface. And those are the things that we need to see. So here's the thing I'm going to tell you this morning. If you're taking notes this morning, you're going to want to write this down. And if you're not taking notes this morning, you're going to want to write this down. I'm just telling you. You need to write down what we're talking about today because this is going to help you. And can I just say something that if you don't take notes, start it. Bring a pencil, bring some paper, bring a journal. Because here's the thing. I'm not the only one here talking today. See, here's the thing I would tell you. If, if I was the only one speaking to you today, it wouldn't be that big a deal. But I'm not the only one speaking. 
God wants to speak to you this morning by His Spirit. And if God wants to speak to you this morning by His Spirit, it simply means that you want to be able to remember what it was that He says to you. You don't want to forget what He speaks to you. So bring a pen, bring some paper, bring a journal, and make some notes. Use your phone if you need to. Make notes on your phone. But let me tell you, don't be on Instagram. Don't be on Facebook. I'm going to tell you, you think I can't? I can tell. And Jesus can tell, and he will take you out. I mean, he will take you out if you're on Instagram or you're on Facebook. It, you know, again, when we see people start falling out in the road, we're going to know that, well, they were there, they were. They were on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, again, take notes. Here's the first thing that comes to the surface in this story, and you need to write this down. The first thing is this. Don't overlook what you got. I said it in the first service. I'm going to use some real... Tennessee jargon, kind of redneck, you know what I mean? Don't overlook what you got. I mean, that's just the South. Don't overlook what you've got. Because before you can experience the miraculous in your life, you need to do an inventory of what you have. You need to do an inventory of what you've got. Because you see, the disciples overlooked the very thing that Jesus was going to use to do this miracle. I mean, think about it. They start out by saying, we got, we got nothing, Jesus. We got nothing but problems. And even if we did, we don't have the money to buy enough food to take care of all these people. But then they find this boy with his Jewish Happy Meal. And they bring him up to the front and here's what it says in John chapter 6, verse 9. Andrew, speaking to Jesus, says, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go? How far? Now think about this. But how far will that go among so many people? I mean, a disciple, the man of faith. Isn't that a bold statement of faith? How far will it go? Because you see, the problem that day on the hillside of the Sea of Galilee wasn't just a food problem. It was actually a lack of faith. They weren't just lacking food, they were lacking faith. And Jesus was going to use this afternoon as an opportunity to give them some food, but in the process of this miracle, he was also going to strengthen their faith. Which made me realize, every time that I go through a problem, it's not just so that God can solve the problem, but it's about what he's actually doing in my life on the journey to solving the problem. It's not just about solving the problem, but it's about what he does in my life on the journey of solving the problem. Because on the journey of solving that place, what, what did I say a prerequisite for a miracle is? It's a problem. But on the journey of, of solving that problem, he's going to teach me about his faithfulness. Isn't that right? I mean, he's going to teach me about his goodness in my life. And if you will let him in the midst of your problem, 
you will learn something poignant about the person of Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. Listen, Crossroads, listen. Don't overlook what you've got. Take an inventory of what you have. Don't put limits on God. Because God can use whatever He wants and do whatever He wants whenever He wants to do it. See, here's the thing I think. I think sometimes we, we, we take an inventory kind of haphazardly of what we got and we think, oh, you know, it's so insignificant. What I have is so insignificant. It's not really going to make a difference. I really don't have any abilities. I can't sing. I don't have any money. It's, it's, just, it's just really, it's just so insignificant. And we start buying into the lie of the enemy. And you say, what, what lie are you talking about? I'm talking about the when-then lie. Let me tell you what I mean. The devil tells you that when you have it, then you can do it. I mean, many of you right now, he, he's already told you, what, what you, you just don't have enough time, so you can't serve at Crossroads. When you have more time, then you can do it. When, when I have a little more confidence, th then I'm going to be able to share my faith with other people. When, when, when I have a little more money, then I'm going to start supporting Crossroads and the mission and the vision of the church. So, see, I look at this story, and I'm glad that this little boy with his Happy Meal didn't have the win then kind of thinking. He didn't have the win then mindset. He didn't say, well, I, you know, I'm going to have to wait till I have 20 loaves. Then I can give it to Jesus. No, he said, here, Jesus, this is what I got. I got five loaves and two fish. Which is just a reminder that you don't have to be rich to be rich in generosity. You don't have to be rich to be rich in generosity. See, here's the thing. Listen to me. Listen. Generosity is a state of mind. It's not a state of money. Generosity is more a condition of the heart than it is the condition of the bank account. When we are giving and generous and kind towards people and towards God, you know what that does? That tells, tells more about who you are than what you have. It's not about having a lot. See, a lot of people think it's about having a lot. It's not about having a lot because some of the most generous people that I know are not the most wealthy people that I know. It's more about who you are than what you have. So this little boy on that hillside didn't overlook what he had. He took what he had, and it became a miracle when he put it in the hands of Jesus. He took what he had and put it in the hands of Jesus. And see, here's the thing. When it was in his hands, it was just bread and fish. But when he put it in the hands of Jesus, it became a feast. Oh, that's good. 
it became a feast. When it was in his hands, it was just enough for him. But when he put it in the hands of Jesus, it became enough to feed 20,000 people. That's because when things are in our hands, they're just average. But when things are in God's hands, they're anointed. When things are in our hands, they're ordinary. But when things are in Jesus' hands, he can do something extraordinary with what we give him. So here's the thing. We've got to get it out of our hands and into the hands of Jesus. And we've been saying since week one of this series, for the supernatural to occur in our life, it's not all up to God. There's our part and there's God's part. Track with me here. For the supernatural to occur in our lives, there's our part, and then there's God's part. And that's why I'm going to tell you this first point that I'm making is so important. You can't overlook what you've got. You can't overlook what you have. Because here's the thing. Listen to me this morning. God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. But according to the scripture that I'm reading, there's a consistent invitation. He's inviting you and he's inviting me with him to participate in the supernatural. He wants us to get in on it. So when we take whatever we have and we put it in his hands... He will do more than we could ever have dreamed or imagined. And can I just make another point here? He'll never ask you for more than you have. Somebody needs to hear that. He will never ask you for more than you have. But he will take what you give him and do more than you could ever think. So that's the first lesson. That's the first thing you need to see in this story that maybe you've never seen before. Don't overlook what you have. Don't overlook what you've got. Here's the second lesson. Look at, look at the second lesson. Don't overlook who you're with. Don't overlook who you've got and don't overlook who you're with. See, the disciples had already forgotten that. They had already forgotten who they were with. Because here they are on that hillside that day with Jesus and like, oh, what are we going to do? Look who you're with. You're with the same guy who turned the water into wine. Can I just, can I, can I, can I, can I can, let me, let me, let me, let me just time out. That's the first miracle. Turning the water into wine. That's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about the first, last. And I'm going to tell you, I was raised as a, as a good Southern Baptist. And they always said, well, you know, when we talk about the water into wine, it's not the same. Really? Then why does the Bible talk so much about being drunk with wine? 
You know, they always told me it was just like grape juice. It's not, you know, it was no big deal. It's not a gift. Not, this is the same God who turned water into wine. And we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to tell you, spring break or no spring break, you don't want to miss the Randy Cook version of this, okay? <laughs> Be here next week. They're with the guy who turned water into wine. They're with the guy who walked on top of the water. They're with the guy who raised the dead back to life. And did you know he's the same guy who made the manna fall from heaven in the Old Testament? And he can do whatever he wants to do. So here's what I would tell you. Don't forget who you're with. But the disciples are a lot like me. They forgot. Every time we get into a problem, I'm constantly forgetting who I'm with. That's what they did. I mean, several stories in the Gospels tell us about the disciples being on the Sea of Galilee out in a boat. And all of a sudden, something happens. A storm comes up. We looked at one of those last week. But in Matthew chapter 8, I believe it is, they talk about a storm where they're out on the Sea of Galilee. They're rowing across the Sea of Galilee. A storm blows up. Jesus is actually down below. I think this is actually the precursor to Below Deck on the Bravo channel. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, Jesus is down below. He's asleep. The storm blows up. They're going crazy again, trying to do things on their own, under their own ability. And finally, they remember why, why Jesus is going to, and they, they go down and they get Jesus. They wake him up. They say, Jesus, don't you even care that we're actually going to drown? Wake up. But clearly, they had forgotten who they were with. They forgot he's the one that actually made the water, that he's the one who made the wind. Right there. He's right there with them. He can do whatever he wants. So they wake Jesus up, and he utters three words, peace, be still. And it all stopped. Because he's the one who made the wind. He's the one who made the water. He's the one who made the waves. He's the master of it all. So when he uttered those three words, peace be still, it had no choice. It was calm. So this week, as I began to look at my notes and, and, and pray for this service and for many of you, that was my prayer, that you will not forget who you're with. Because here's the thing, if you've got Jesus in your boat, he's never going to abandon you. If Jesus is on the boat with you, he's never going to jump ship. He's never going to walk out on you. When you put your life in his hands, everything in your life in his hands, including your problems in his hands, He's going to take care of it. Let me tell you, listen, Crossroads, either here, watching online, listening online, he can take care of whatever it is that you're struggling with today. But I'm going to tell you, if you focus on the storm, the storm is going to take you out. But if you focus on Jesus, Jesus will see you through. Focus on him. Don't forget who you're with.
Don't forget what you've got. Don't forget who you're with. Here's the third lesson, and probably the most important lesson of all the lessons that you see from this story. Your miracle's not just your miracle. Let me tell you, when there is miraculous things happening in your life, it's not just for you. Your miracle is not just for you. Now now listen, the thing that you're praying for, the thing that you're believing God for, that thing is actually going to have a ripple effect on the people around you. Because here's the thing, listen, listen. The eternal things never affect just us. You need to write that down. Eternal things never affect just you. The eternal things always have an impact beyond you. It's never about one child being changed. It's never about one family being changed. It's never just about one. It's about the ripple effect for generations and generations and generations to come. Now, hear what I'm about to say. Several years ago, we we, uh, educated about 150 pastors in seminary in Africa. I think we've planted four or five churches in Africa. And let me tell you, It was never about those 150 pastors. It was never about those four churches. We knew that when we sowed that money, that seed that you gave here into those pastors, into those churches, that it was going to have a ripple effect for generations to come. Because the eternal things never affect just you, they impact beyond you because that's what they do. They have a ripple effect. And so it is with the miraculous in your life. When God does something, your miracle isn't just your miracle. God is going to use your miracle to display His glory. To somehow communicate to people around you exactly who He is. So here's what we have to look and here's what we have to see. That day on that hillside, it wasn't just about that Jewish little boy and his Happy Meal. In fact, here's the thing, listen. Every person on that hillside that day got in on the miracle. They all had a need, and Jesus met that need. They experienced, all 20,000 people, they experienced the miraculous. And when Jesus did it, it impacted all 20,000 of them. I mean, think about the disciples. The, The disciples got in on the miracle. Because they actually received another revelation, a greater revelation of who Jesus really is. Wow, he's like the creator. He can like take care of anything. And then they actually got to participate in the supernatural. Because what did Jesus do? The story tells us all four of the Gospels, Jesus broke it and gave it to the disciples, and they would break it, and they would break it, and they would break it. 
So they got to be part of the miracle. They got to be part of the supernatural. And when you read the text, it was actually when they were giving it away. Listen, 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 listen. When they were giving it away, that's when it actually multiplied. It just kept multiplying and getting more and more and more when they gave it away. And it helps us understand, listen, Crossroads, that there is a blessing that comes with giving. There's a blessing that comes with giving. There, listen, listen. There's multiplication and increase that comes when we give away what we have. When we give what we've got. Now, some of you need to hear that again. That, that, again, some of you may not want to write this down, but you need to write this down. There's multiplication and increase that comes when we give what we've got. But when we hold on to what we have, the blessing doesn't always come. Because the Bible says, listen, listen, over and over, this is not Randy, this is the Bible, over and over, you are blessed to be a blessing. God is going to bless our lives. And he blesses our lives so that that blessing can flow into the lives of other people. I mean, think about it. He blesses you so you can bless other people. I mean, think about David. David wrote in Psalm 23. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Look, 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 look. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What is he saying? I don't even want to know what want means. I don't know what lack is. The, the Lord's my shepherd. I'm not even going to understand what want is. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't even know what lack is. Because the Lord's my shepherd. I don't even know what that means. He goes on to say, my cup runneth over. In other words, God's going to continue to pour more and more into your life that your cup is going to run over. And I don't know about you, but in the morning when I get up and I get a glass of ice and I go to the refrigerator and I get me a can of Mountain Dew and I pour that Mountain Dew over that cold ice, I don't keep pouring until it overflows because I don't want to make a mess. But that's not God. God's not God. God is who he is. His ways are higher than my ways. When God pours blessings into our lives, he doesn't stop when it's almost full. He blesses and he blesses and he blesses and he gives increase. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. God is not limited by your capacity to receive blessings. He's going to, listen, listen. He's going to let the blessings overflow because when it overflows... It impacts the people around you because it's not just for you. It's for other people too. Everyone around you. Because, see, there's a reason for the resource that God gives you. There's a reason for the provision that God gives you. It's so that it can spill out on a dry and weary land around you. Because people around you, all around you, listen to me, Crossroads, listen, listen right here. People all around you are spiritually dry. 
they're spiritually dry. You're surrounded by people who are spiritually hungry and desperate. So much so that they don't even understand what they're hungry for. Listen, listen to me this morning. They're hungry for something and God has put them in your life. At work, at school. And he's pouring the blessings on you. Why is he pouring the blessing on you? So that it will splash out over your life and touch other people. And their lives are going to be touched. Because listen, Crossroads, your miracle is not just your miracle. I mean, think about it. Look at the story. That sack lunch that day was not just for that little boy. God had bigger plans in store for that miracle. And let me tell you, at the end of that story, we read that there were 12 basketfuls left over. Now think about that for a moment. I talked about that last week. You just have to know Jesus is God. Jesus is breaking this fish and this bread and passing it out. I mean, he knew when enough was enough. Stop it right there. Everybody's done. But he didn't do that. He knew when enough was enough because he is God. But knowing that he is God, what did he do? He provided increase. He provided more than enough. Now think about it. They go from not having enough to having more than enough. Because somebody took what they had and put it in the hands of Jesus. Because we serve a God who is a God of more than enough. Listen to me this morning. He doesn't give you barely enough. He wants to give you more than enough. And that more than enough is not just for you. He entrusts it to you so that you can bless other people. In fact, one of his names is El Shaddai, which means the God of more than enough. I mean, think about that little boy that afternoon. He could have thought, you know, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not giving it up. This is my lunch. You're the dummy. You didn't bring your own lunch. I mean, I'm, taking, I, I'm not giving this lunch to Peter because I know all about Peter. And I'm not giving my lunch to Peter because I know exactly Peter's going to eat my lunch. But that's not his mindset. Because, see, that kind of mindset would cause you to miss the miraculous. Because when you think you have to hold on to what you've got, then you're going to miss out on what God wants to give you. You're going to miss out on the miraculous crossroads. And let me just tell you, when you miss out on the miraculous, the things that God has for you are so much greater than what you've got. I mean, think about it. God has the back hole. Beep, 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 beep. And he's just going to back that thing up. When you start giving stuff away, he's going to back that thing up and give it to you. You know, I mean, 
I, I probably don't even need to say that. Let me say, Elliot's on earth, get and reverse it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's God. I mean, God, God's going to back up and just dump it on you. He's going to dump more on you than you can handle. But why did he do that? So that you can give it away. Because that's who God is. God has a bigger shovel than you do. And let me tell you, when you're giving it away, give it away, give it away, give it away now. God sees his nature in you. Let me tell you, when you're generous towards people, and you're blessing other people, here's the thing I want you to see. I believe that God is going to bless us in the miraculous so that we can be a blessing to other people. Our miracle isn't just for us. He wants to use us. He wants to use you to become somebody else's miracle. He wants to use you to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Because you know that day that there were people on those hillsides at the Sea of Galilee who were there, and you know what their prayer was probably? I just, I'm hungry. I need something to eat. I don't have anything at the house. I don't have anything at work. And they were just praying for for some food that day. They were just praying for their need to be met. And because of that little boy who put his lunch into the hands of Jesus, they got more than they needed. The Scripture says they had more than enough. The Scripture tells us that they ate until they were full. Which means in the original language that they were full, filled up. If I eat another bite, I don't know where it's going to go. If I swallow one more bite, I don't know where I'm going to put it. They were Thanksgiving full. Pass the pie, I'm going to give it a try. You know what I'm saying? That's how full they were. Because the Scripture tells us everybody ate until they were full. Including that little boy that means he had more than he started out with. And here's what I want you to think about. If he had held on to what he had, he wouldn't have gotten what he got. Now think about that. If he had held on to what he had, he wouldn't have gotten what he got. If he had held on what he had, he would have missed out on the miraculous. And one of the most important things about that story, that day, is that by giving it to Jesus, he got a front row seat right to the miraculous. Because listen, he was in the back. Five loaves, two fishes, in the back, brought up by Andrew. To the front, to Jesus, right there in the front, right next to Jesus. He was right there watching Jesus. And don't you know his eyes went bang, 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 as Jesus kept going and going and going. So it just makes me think and realize that when we take what we have, our talents, our abilities, our resources, and we put them into the hands of Jesus, you know what we get? We get a front row seat to the miraculous. We get to see things 
that are supernatural. We get to see things in people's lives and even in our lives that we could never think or imagine because we get to see the miracle worker at work. And you know what? I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss out. So this morning, I'm going to close by praying two different prayers. The first prayer is for most of us. Lord, what what do I have in my hands that I need to get into your hands? What do you have in your hands that you need to get into the hands of Jesus? Because here's the thing, in your hands, it's just ordinary. But if you put it into the hands of Jesus, he can make it extraordinary. See, maybe, maybe there's something in your life that you've been holding on to. But can I just give you the reality? The reality is you think you're holding on to it, but actually it's holding on to you. So today you just, you just need to let go of it. It could be a relationship. It could be a possession. that you don't really possess, it actually possesses you. And today, right now, on this day, the, what, 5th of March, you just need to release it. You just need to let go, and you just need to give it to God. Maybe it's a talent or an ability that, that, you, that you would say, you know, I just, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. It's insignificant. But let me tell you, if you have that talent or ability and you'll put it in the hands of Jesus... You're going to watch him do something significant with you and with your life. That's the first prayer. The second prayer is I just want to pray for people today. And you know you're here in this auditorium or you're watching us online, listening online, and you know you just need to put your whole life into the hand of Jesus. Because when you take your life and you put it in the hands of Jesus, he will take all the broken pieces and put them back together. He will take all the broken pieces and he will heal that. He will do more with you and for you than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. And he will fill your life with purpose and destiny. But let me tell you, listen, Crossroads, you've got to take your life out of your hands and put it in the hands of Jesus. And if you've never done that, then maybe today's the day. Or maybe you're one of those people who would say, you know what, I did do that. I can remember back, you know, several years ago, several months ago, I did do that, but I've taken the control of my life back. So maybe today you just need to say, okay, I'm giving up control. And I'm going to give it back to Jesus. You just need to say, Jesus, today... I'm giving back full control to you. Can I just ask you right where you're seated to bow your heads and to close your eyes and nobody to be looking around and nobody to get up, nobody leave. Just stay here just for a moment. God, we take this time to remember that there are so many things that we have in our hands that we need to release to you. Resources, abilities, talents, things that you've blessed us with but we've held on to those things so tightly and today we just need to give them to you
so that you can do what only you can do. And you can allow us to be a blessing so that we can bless others. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What, what is it today that you just need to, to put into the hands of Jesus? Right there where you're seated just symbolically in your mind or maybe you just want to open up your hands and just release it to him right now. That possession, that relationship, maybe it's your health. Just give it to him knowing that when you put it in his hands that he can do exceedingly abundantly more than he, you could ever ask or think. But it's in his hands, not in your hands. And once you release that to him, just silently there before him, just in this silence, in the darkness of this room, just, just say, Jesus, I'm giving it to you. I'm trusting you to do what only you can. My health, my relationships, my finances. Because I realize I'm blessed to be a blessing. And I want to see the miraculous in my life. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you've never given full control of your life to Jesus Christ. And maybe today, right where you're seated, you just need to just to say, God, today I want to put my hands, my life into the hands of Jesus. Realizing that He is the author, the perfecter, the finisher of my faith. That He went to the cross on my behalf, paid the debt, which I don't totally understand. And you know what? I love it when people say, I don't understand. Because you know what? Sometimes I don't understand it either. But you know what I do understand? If I was the only person on this earth... He still would have come just for me because that's how much he loves me and that's how much he loves you that he went to the cross and gave his life for you paying the penalty and let me tell you this side of eternity you'll never understand it totally but put your life in his hands today invite him in to forgive you and to strengthen you and to give you the direction that you need let me let me just say this morning that's who he is he wants to come into the broken places. He wants to come into the desert places to do what only you can do. Can I just say this again? On March the 19th, if you have made a decision to make Jesus or Christ your Lord and Savior, we have Baptism Sunday, and we'd love to baptize you in either service. But let us know by indicating that on the tear-off or see me after the service. God, we just thank you this morning word that it rightly divides all the way down to the to the joints and to the marrow. That God, your truth is what's been spoken and taught this morning and sung. We ask you to do in our lives what only you can. As we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name.
out on the miraculous in your life because God wants to do more than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. 
if we'll just take what we have and put it in his hands. That's when we get a front row seat to the miraculous, just like that little boy on that hillside 